Welcome, everyone, to the Score Fantasy Football Podcast presented by Subway. I'm your host, Justin Boone, the lead fantasy analyst at The Score. Joining me today, as always, my co-host, David P. Woods, a man who has been known for some epic, epic Halloween costumes over the years. I've seen pictures of WWE legend Razor Ramon. I've seen pictures of cartoon superhero Darkwing Duck. And Woods, I wasn't going to bring this up this week because... Obviously, Halloween's next week, but we record on Wednesday, and next week, the podcast wouldn't get up until that night, so I figured we should tell everybody this now, so maybe you can give them some costume ideas a week in advance. They can get ready for it. I'm going to go another direction and say I got wind that you were going to talk about this, and I went and locked down my Facebook account and deleted a bunch of old photos, so my my suggestion to listeners is go do that, and if you have embarrassing old Halloween (laughs) costumes up... Get them off there. They can only come back to bite you later. But I mean, I'm not totally ashamed of those costumes. That Darkwing Duck one was pretty good. I think I won best costume for that. Totally homemade. So I'll stand behind that one. Well, my advice to everyone is make sure before you do a podcast where you're going to bring this up, you go to someone's Facebook account and you save the photos like I did. So I already have them. And hopefully in the video version of the podcast here, maybe they can do a split screen. I'll make sure our, our video crew has those pictures. Are there any other? I mean, those are only two of them. Are there any costumes I'm missing here? I'm trying to remember. Those are probably the best ones. There's, uh, not really. There's, there was nothing else worth mentioning at this point, I guess. I mean, I at least I kept my shirt on, I think, for every other one except that Razor Ramon one. So <laughs> maybe just delete that photo and we'll, we'll not put that up on the screen right now. All right. Well, on today's episode, I'm going to run through some of the big changes in my rankings, which are going to be up on the score on Thursday. And then we are going to uh, go through a preview of week eight with the creator of the Scott Fishbowl. We're going to have Scott Fish with us. Super exciting. And we're going to get his thoughts on all the big fantasy questions heading into week eight, as well as who's going to be overlooked this week. And we're going to take a look at some potential season-saving trade targets. Players that you can buy low on right now can give you a big boost in the second half of the season. And we're also going to talk about the great work that Scott is doing not just in the fantasy community, but outside of it as well. But first, as I mentioned, my updated rankings are going to be available on the score on Thursday. So let's take a first look at some of the notable risers and fallers in our next level update segment, which is presented by our friends at Subway, who up the taste ante with their new next level paninis. I'm moving Mitch Trubisky up to QB 12. He's not playing at an elite level right now, but he's obviously been producing for fantasy owners. He gets the Jets coming up next. They've given up at least two passing touchdowns in each of their last four outings. That includes a 388-yard day to Blake Bortles, a 377-yard day to Case Keenum. I think Trubisky is going to be startable this week. The same cannot be said for Dalvin Cook. Unfortunately, we got the news. He's going to miss a few more weeks, so I had to take him out of my rankings entirely. Latavius Murray moving all the way up into the RB2 range. And the last one that I'll mention is Geronimo Allison up to wide receiver 33. I was high on Allison before he got hurt. And obviously he went out for a few weeks there. He's expected to be back now. I went over the projections. It is hard to not see the Packers just passing a ton in this game going up against the Rams. They're going to have to try to keep up. So that bodes well for all of the pass catchers in Green Bay, especially Allison, who really established himself as the second option behind Devontae Adams. If you want to see the rest of my rankings, you can find the full update, as I mentioned, Thursday on the score. On to today's guest, Scott Fish. 
He's a fantasy analyst at Fanball. He's the host of the Bull Rush podcast. He's the creator of the world-famous Scott Fishbowl, which Woods and I both take part in. And Scott Fishbowl raises money for his charity, Fantasy Cares, which provides toys for children in need around the holidays. Scott, that is quite the resume. And I don't mean to, to downplay your fantasy work because obviously you're a great analyst as well, but it's really exciting to see the work that you're doing outside of the fantasy community. And we're excited to have you with us. Yeah, thanks a lot, guys. Yeah, it's uh, one, of th- one of those things where I think all the charity work got... Uh, like overplays my fantasy aspects. Everybody brings me in for, you know, fishbowl and fantasy cares. And, but luckily I do have that fantasy, you know, backside. That's my full-time job as a fantasy analyst. So absolutely. uh, it's, It's good to have that too. Well, we've only brought the best in the fantasy industry on as our guests this year. So we're happy to have you with us and let's jump right into it, right into week eight here. We've seen a couple trades happen Carlos Hyde going to the Jaguars within the last, you know, it was about a week ago. Amari Cooper getting dealt to Dallas, obviously. On the other side of the ball, there's been a few trades as well. Eli Apple going to the Saints and, uh, you know, Snacks Harrison going to the Lions. We saw that happen this morning. So it seems like we might be in for a pretty fun trade deadline. I know Woods, you and I have talked about that. Scott, are there any players out there? And it doesn't just have to be for fantasy reasons, but it can be. But are there any players out there that you're hoping to see get moved at the deadline? See, I'm glad you said not just for fantasy reasons because I <laughs> I would love I'm, – I'm a Vikings guy and I love Teddy Bridgewater and I would love for the Saints to move him to even like the Jags or someone where he might get a chance – or the Giants maybe, I don't know, a place where he could get a chance to actually start. Uh, another thing I tweeted a couple days ago, I'd love to see Fitzpatrick – get traded to the Jags for one of their excess of running backs they now have. I think that'd be a good move on both parts. Uh, I think I think that'd be fun to have P- Fitzpatrick starting in the league again. I haven't heard anyone throw that Fitzpatrick one out there, but that makes a lot of sense, actually. Would anybody you'd like to see moved? Yeah, I'll give you a couple trades I'd like to see. One, well, we saw, we're talking about those Jaguars running backs. They traded for one. They got Carlos Hyde. Why don't we just copy that same trade and do it in Detroit, get LeGarrette Blunt out of there, open the way for on Johnson to get more carries, just like Nick Chubb got the depth chart cleared in front of him. Maybe we'll send LeGarrette Blunt to the Patriots. They need a goal line back now. Sony Michelle's hurt, maybe out for a little bit here. They know Blunt. They're pretty familiar there. Could we make that happen? That would be, that'd be pretty nice. I mean, probably unlikely, but I'd like to see that. And then I'll also just mention the name who always gets mentioned, which is Larry Fitzgerald. The Cardinals are going nowhere. His fantasy value is fairly negligible at this point. I mean, we know what he is. It would be very exciting to see him get moved, I don't know, like the Packers to a good offense, chase a ring. I don't think he's going to want to do it. I mean, this comes up every year, and it never happens. He's a Cardinal for life probably, but I'll throw a Hail Mary out there. Can we get Larry Fitzgerald on a better offense? I'd love to see him. I, I would like How about to see his hometown, Minnesota. Yeah, why not? Sure. Yeah, yeah. Round we out, have, we round have out that receiving core right now. I think, but uh, it'd be it'd be a good trio to have. Yeah, the fit there is not quite as natural, I guess. But I mean, Larry Fitzgerald can get on the field on any team. I think he he can do more than just a slot, even if it's a, as a role player. So you could find a way to incorporate him into an offense. Yeah, I think you you nailed it there. I don't think Larry's going anywhere. I think he's a Cardinal for life and. I don't think the guy that I'm going to mention is going to go anywhere either, but I would like to see him get traded. It's because he's going to be an unrestricted free agent at the end of the season. It's Tevin Coleman. The Falcons are likely not going to make the playoffs. There's still a chance. They won last week, so it is possible, and that probably makes it unlikely he's going to get moved. But 
Coleman should get traded. I don't think enough NFL teams do this. And it's also because, I mean, they get compensatory picks, so there's not as much motivation to move a guy. I think Coleman could do great work if he got traded. You mentioned the Patriots as a team that could need a running back. The Texans are out there. I think they could definitely Yeah, I was going to say Texans. I think he's like a, a Lamar back. Miller plus. Yeah. Makes a makes a lot of sense. It, it's probably not going to happen, but for his fantasy value and his real-life value, it would be nice to, to see him move there because I think the Falcons should try to see exactly what they have at Edo Smith. He's kind of being held back a little bit. Hopefully, though, we're going to get a bunch of more trades because it's always, always super exciting when that happens. And the Cooper trade has probably been the biggest move we've seen so far, at least when we're recording right here. And as volatile as he's been this year, he's definitely leaving a pretty big void in that Oakland offense. It's also compounded by the fact that Marshawn Lynch got put on IR. The Raiders are at home against the Colts this week. Decent matchup. We don't really know what this offense is going to look like without Cooper and Lynch. Scott, do you think that there's any way fantasy owners can capitalize on the situation with this new look Raiders offense? Yeah, I'm not even sure what I would do here with the the Raiders offense. I'm not sure if, if it's uh if it's going to be Martavis stepping up or Seth Roberts who's had a had a couple of really efficient red zone years or uh Jordy Nelson stepping up. I just, I kind of want to stay away from everyone except for maybe Jalen Richard, who I see as kind of a poor man's James White. But honestly, I feel like at this point, this, this offense is going to get worse and worse. Uh, you're going to have to match up, play them at best. I agree. I, I don't want to touch that offense whatsoever. I know a lot of people are asking about Martin and Richard. I think Martin, their schedule is pretty good over the next month. They got three games that they should at least be competitive in, you would think. So in the short term, Martin might have some value. Long term, it seems like Richard would be the play if you need somebody, but it is sort of a desperation play when they're going to be trailing in games. They're going to need to play a catch-up, and Richard's probably going to get a lot of looks at that point. The Jaguars were another team that made a trade. Obviously, they pulled the trigger on Hyde. He's expected to make his debut this week for Jacksonville. They're playing in London. It's kind of their home away from home, right? They've had some success there. There's a lot to consider with this Jags offense. Bortles is going to be on a very short leash. He got benched last week, but they're going back to him. But the weird thing about this for Jacksonville is over the last three years, they've actually been really good in these London games. They put up 34 points, 30 points, and then 44 points against the Ravens last year. And I remember that game well because I was very angry that morning about my rankings because I don't think anybody saw that blowout coming. But Scott, given their London success, are you willing to start anybody in this Jaguars offense this week? I, I think you kind of nailed it there with Bortles. I mean, he's got eight touchdowns in his last three London games, and they tend to be to the bigger body guys. So I, a little bit of me kind of likes, especially last year was I believe Mercedes Lewis had three uh, touchdowns for him. But it kind of makes me like just a little bit Dante Moncrief this week. I mean, he's had over 75 yards in three of the last four games, 33 targets in the last four games. Sure. He kind of, he kind of crapped the bed in the Dallas game, but <laughs> Philly's allowing the third most receptions and the fifth most yards to wide receivers. I, I think this could be a sneaky Moncrief play and, and I'm okay with, uh, with Bortles if you're in kind of a bye week hell. I think in that receiving core, it's basically you're just going to roll the dice, right? If you're going with one yes. of those guys, I, I agree. I like I like Moncrief's chances, but they all sort of have a chance. Even DJ Shark, the, the rookie, had seven targets last week. 
So it mm-hmm. is just a complete, you know, swing and, and hope that you end up with the guy that gets either a long touchdown or ends up being the Mercedes Lewis of this year and weirdly just pops off for three touchdowns. I don't really want to play anyone in that backfield, though, with, with Yeldon no. or, or Hyde until we really know how it's going to be divided amongst the two. Woods, you agree? Yeah, I would stay away from that backfield unless we got a pretty strong report that said either Hyde's going to play a ton or he's not going to play very much and it's going to be all Yeldon, then you could swing one way there. But if we're going into that game not really knowing what Hyde's role is, then I think you just have to stay away from it. There's also a pretty low Vegas point total in that game. I believe it's 42 points, so... Much lower than the next game we're going to talk about, which is Packers and Rams. I alluded to it earlier when I talked about Geronimo Allison. There's a 56.5 projected point total in that game, the highest of the week by far. Scott, we've seen a couple big shootouts this year. Uh, Coming to mind, the the Chiefs-Patriots game. I feel like this could be a similar situation where both teams are able to put up a lot of points. Are you just going to play everybody in this game? Are you firing up any Packers or Rams that you have in your lineup? Uh, I'm firing up every single Ram, basically, that's that's startable. The the Goff, Gurley, Cooks, Woods, Cup. Nobody's benching any of those guys. Josh Reynolds is, is not that intriguing to me if Cooks, Woods, and Cup are all 100% good to go. Because before those injuries, Goff had only thrown one target to a non-big three wide receiver. Uh, so I'm not sure I, I like it that deep, but but the main five are good to go. Uh, Rogers, same deal. There have been three good quarterbacks, like really decent quarterbacks that face the Rams. That was uh, Rivers, Cousins, and Wilson. Those three averaged 282 yards and 2.7 touchdowns against the Rams. Uh, Rams ranked top, you know, top 15, top 12, or whatever against quarterbacks. But the three really good ones, which Aaron Rodgers is a really good one, have all done well. I think Rodgers does well here. I think. Just like you said, that 56 and a half point over under, it's it's probably going to hit it and it's going to be a shootout. I think the only place where I would be concerned is just the Packers backfield. As, as much as yeah. we've just been hoping that Aaron Jones could go off here, this is another one of those games where they could fall behind, totally phase him out of the game. We've seen that happen a couple times here and I don't have very much faith that Jamal Williams, maybe Ty Montgomery is sort of a deep, sneaky play if they're trying to play catch up here, but... I would be willing to deploy everybody except for the members of that backfield. Packers receivers, too. You feel confident enough that you know those guys are all going to factor in significantly and, you know, Valdez Scantling's not going to somehow have a bigger role than we expected, something like that? I guess for me, I'm looking at it, like I mentioned before, like Devontae Adams, Geronimo Allison, and Jimmy Graham, for sure. I mean, I was never that confident in Cobb or Valdez Scantling at this point. So I think those are, are deep plays. Maybe a little bit more like those Jags guys where you would just be hoping at that point that Cobb is fully healthy and you need him to catch a touchdown. I think they're going to vulture each other a little bit. Uh, let's look a little closer at uh, some of the guys that had big outings in Week 7, and let's see if we think that they can repeat that production in Week 8. Three guys in particular come to mind here. So it's Marlon Mack. He had 159 yards from scrimmage and two touchdowns. Looks like he's secured that Colts starting job. Latavius Murray, 83 yards and two touchdowns filling in for Dalvin Cook. And obviously now we know that Cook is going to be out for this week and maybe a couple more weeks here. And the last guy I'm going to throw in is Nick Chubb. 
He racked up 80 yards. He did have a touchdown. You know, that was all after that big hide trade that we talked about before. Scott, which of those three backs do you think has the best chance of repeating those numbers this week? You know, for me, I think it's Mac. I mean, Chuck Chubb did start slow last week and finish it off with about 30, 40 yards in the second half and that touchdown that, that really helped boost his numbers. But for, for me, it's Mac. His matchup is just easily the best. Both Chubb and Murray face top 10 defenses against running backs over their last three games. Uh, and the Colts, I like what they got going on offense. I think they're going to have more scoring up, up opportunities. Murray, even though Cook isn't going to be back this week, uh, the line is still not very good. And the matchup is a little tougher against running backs. Pittsburgh, uh, who Chubb is playing, they're allowing 3.6 yards per carry on the season, and they're allowing the least total yards per game, which is 87 total yards to running backs, uh, receiving and and rushing combined. Both really tough matchups, so I'm going to go with Mac on this one. Yeah, I entirely agree with you there. We know now that he is going to be the guy. I think there's a lot of concerns that it was going to be a committee but he has come back and established himself there. And his catching ability, too, is huge, right? The other two guys aren't really receivers, so if the game script goes against him, he can still be used quite a bit there. And, yeah, those other guys, not really so much. Woods, I know this is going to be the part where you want to stump for Chubb, so go ahead. Yeah, of course I'm going to say Nick Chubb here. I mean, part of it is just when you ask which is the has the best chance of repeating the performance, I, I think two touchdowns from Marlon Mack and 159 yards, that's going to be tough to repeat That's because that's tough to repeat mm-hmm. for any running back. He does have a good matchup, and I think he could still have a good week. And Latavius Murray, I also probably don't expect him to score two more touchdowns. For Chubb, I, I think he left a lot of meat on the bone last week, and I think he's probably the best of these three running backs, so he's going to be my pick. He had like 80 yards and a touchdown. That, that wouldn't be that hard to repeat it, and I, I think there's more there because – like, like Scott said, he had sort of a slow start in the first half last week, turned it on a little bit in the second half, but I didn't think he looked great. I think he can be much better. We saw earlier in the season, every time he touched the ball, it was like an explosive play, a big long run, and it was what led the Browns to sort of say, I mean, we need to get this guy the ball more. Let's clear the depth chart in front of him, ship Carlos Hyde out of town. So I think if, if Chubb adds some explosive plays to what he did last week and gets a little better, a little more confident, feels the rhythm a little bit better, I think he can top those numbers. All right, Woods, I'm going to go to you first for this next question. It's about a guy that I probably could have put in that last group because he also had a very big game, but I want to talk about him separately. And it's on Johnson, 179 yards from scrimmage last week. He didn't find the end zone, but a career day, his second 100-yard performance this year. After that first 100-yard game, we thought the coaching staff was going to recognize the talent, was going to give him more work. And they just went right back to limiting his touches. Now, hopefully, Woods, is this going to be the, the opportunity that he's been waiting for? Now, are they going to lean on him more? I'm curious what you think he's going to be able to do this week. And also, I'm curious if you pit your two guys against each other, who would you rather start this week, Carry On or Chubb? Don't make me pick. Uh, don't. I guess Carry On. I, I don't know. I, that would, I'd have to really think about that one. I think this unfortunate reality is probably that the the Lions are going to still continue to limit carry-on's workload. I mean, he carried it 19 times. Last week, they gave Blunt 10 carries. And, and the, the biggest knock on carry-on, I think, in, in the eyes of the Lions coaches is that carry-on failed to convert a goal line carry, and then they put Blunt in, and he scored a touchdown. So when they see that, I, I mean, there's still going to be a role for Blunt. I, I just have to think it, they haven't said anything otherwise. And carry-on's numbers were, were boosted by the absence of Theo Riddick, so it's possible his workload's even going to dip a little bit more when Riddick's back in the mix. 
rational coaching would be to let the rookie run with it because he's clearly the most dynamic running back on that team and perhaps one of the most in the league at this point, but I can't say with any degree of confidence that that's what's going to happen. I'm just going to cross my fingers, play carry on, and hope that this all works out in the end and his talent rises above. Scott, what's your take on carry on this week? Carry on Johnson just had a perfect storm last week, right? Like you had Riddick out. And uh, he played the Dolphins, who are 31st against fantasy running backs. They've allowed six running backs over 100 total yards in seven games. Nine of them had double-digit fantasy days, and you gave Carrion extra touches with Riddick out. I mean, he was primed for that breakout. I don't see Carrion, I don't see the Lions getting 30-plus touches to their running backs consistently for the rest of the season or this week. Um, and with Riddick coming back, exactly exactly what was just said that his touches are going to dip i do think he's going to get more touches going forward because of that performance but the two to one split him getting you know 67 percent of the touches i I think that's going to dip a little i think he was absolutely correct let's stick with the nfc north here we've seen the bears offense start to deliver for fantasy owners it's been great to see their matchup this week a little bit softer they get to go against the jets A lot of weapons in Chicago, a lot of people needing to make fantasy decisions on those guys. Maybe the backfield has been one of the hardest in that offense to determine. Jordan Howard hasn't put up big yards. Tariq Cohen might be the better fantasy back, though, in that backfield. Allen Robinson, he's been seeing volume, but he played through the groin injury last week. Taylor Gabriel had a couple of 100-yard games, fell back to earth last week. Anthony Miller not really seeing enough volume to be fantasy relevant at this point. Maybe a bit of a stash. Trey Burton might be the most consistent in the receiving game there, though. Scott, do you trust anybody in this Bears offense as a consistent fantasy option? Yeah, you, you just said it at the end there. It's It's got to be Trey Burton. I mean, Gabriel's Gabriel hasn't been bad. It, it, you know, he had those two big games, and he's had you know, pretty decently consistent targets except for one game, but it, it's got to be Burton. For the last five games, he's had at least four receptions. Uh, for the last five games, he's had at least four targets. Uh, in the last five games completely, uh, just totally the, the most consistent. It, it does seem that Trubisky and him do have a good rapport. I, I think Trubisky is going to have some – some really good matchups and games going forward, especially with his running ability to, uh, to give him a nice safe quarterback floor. Um, so I, I actually really like him this week against the jets. I like both Darnold and him this week, believe it or not in that game, but uh, it, it's got, it's definitely got to be Trey Burton is the one I trust right now. All right. I would agree with you there. So we're trusting a couple members of the bears. What about trusting Doug Baldwin? So we know he's been playing through the knee injury He had six for 91, though, before their bye week in week six. Now he's coming off the bye, had a little bit of time to rest that knee, we assume. Scott, Doug Baldwin, are you confidently putting him in your lineup now moving forward? Are you still worried about that knee injury limiting him? Mm, how many flexes do you have in your lineup? Because that matters. <laughs> uh, I feel I feel pretty confident as uh, him as my you know wide receiver three. If he's my wide receiver two, I'm a little on edge. But my wide receiver three, I'm I'm absolutely loving that. But uh, this this week he gets the Lions. They're they're top ten against wide receivers on the season. But over the last three weeks, they are dead last in fantasy points allowed to wide receivers. And they only played two games. In two games, they're still dead lost against a bunch of teams that have played three games. Four wide receiver touchdowns, four different wide receivers over 80 yards or a touchdown. They were doing well early in the season, but they played the Jets. They played 49ers without Goodwin. They played the Pats without Edelman or Gordon. I don't think this Lions pass defense is really good. I really like 
I really like him this week. I, I'm going to like him more in the wide receiver three, maybe some weeks the wide receiver two range going forward. Yeah, I agree. I think I think I like Doug Baldwin quite a bit right now, more than I thought I would coming off the bye here, just because he did look good before. And as you say, he has a week to rest. And if you look at the Seahawks schedule going forward, there's some appealing passing matchups there. And the one other thing to consider is that Russell Wilson's just sort of proven to be a slow starter over the years. And I think you can project a little bit of an uptick for him in the second half of the season. And who else would that go to but Doug Baldwin? Maybe Baldwin could qualify for our next question here is who is being overlooked in week eight? Scott, I will let you take this one first. You know, the guy I wrote down and now I just, don't even think he's being overlooked anymore after looking around. But I, I thought to myself, I keep seeing Najoku get ranked as like the sixth tight end this week. And I have him as my tight end one this week. Nice. So, <laughs> so may, maybe I'm just super high on him and maybe he's not being overlooked. Maybe there's a lot more love out there than I'm seeing, but he has at least four catches and 50 yards in every game with Baker. He's scored two weeks in a row and the Steelers have allowed the most receptions per game to tight end fourth, most yards per game to tight end and six different tight ends have 50 plus yards or a score. I can easily see Njoku gain 50 to hundred yards and a touchdown. I'd almost lock that in. I, I, I could see him even gain two touchdowns this week. He's my tight end one. So anything ranked lower. And I think he's being overlooked. Yeah. I mean, with not many receiving options stepping up there for sure. And Woods, you must love hearing that because I know you traded for Njoku a few weeks ago in our league. I've traded for him in basically every league. I mean, I just ter- finished another deal for him yesterday. So I, I have high hopes for Njoku going forward. Yeah. How about for. Have, oh, oh. have you seen the rest of his schedule? It looks think, amazing, doesn't it? I think all but two games are against bottom 10 tight end defenses. I think you might win some people leagues. Uh, like I said, you're I'm hoping. Really you're hoping. I, I, I guess I'm hoping. Yeah. <laughs> Let me give you a couple guys who I think are being overlooked this week. Uh, one is Raheem Mostert. I, I think people just don't realize quite how uh, highly he ranked he should be this week. I think he's an RB2, like a low-end one, but a guy you can put in your lineup pretty confidently. Matt Braid is hurt. He probably needs to just sit out. He's playing through an injury, and it just looks brutal. You see him limp to the sideline after every carry. It feels like Alfred Morris has been pretty ineffective. Mostert could be the starter this week, and they're playing the, statistically the worst run defense in the NFL in the Cardinals, so I like him there. Another player, if you're desperate for a wide receiver, I think you could look at Danny Amendola. Albert Wilson and Kenny Stills are both hurt. Brock Osweiler's been throwing Amendola's way a lot. Amendola, four catches for 143 yards and a touchdown on 18 targets the last two weeks. Uh, Wait, I wrote four catches. That might not be right. Maybe I got that stat (laughs) wrong. But he's he's got 143 yards and a touchdown in the last two weeks. Anyhow, and Osweiler's got a revenge game on Thursday against the Texans. So I think you could look at Amendola for, for some volume there. I also had a Mostert on my list there, and I, I won't reiterate what you said because I think you nailed it. I think he's definitely going to be a guy if Braid is out that could be right in the RB2 range, and people might not realize that. They might think that Morris is going to be more involved. If we go a little deeper, how about Cortland Sutton? I, we don't even know. It's, hmm. po- it's possible that Demaryius Thomas or Manuel Sanders could get moved. I know the team's denying that they're shopping them, but definitely possible that one of them could get moved. And even if they don't, probably going to be a shootout with the Chiefs here. They're going to have to try to keep up. We've seen Sutton score twice in the last three weeks. He's really flashed on limited usage. So a guy that you could sneak into your lineup as maybe a flex play with a lot of upside, with maybe even multiple touchdown upside this week, depending how that game goes. What about if fantasy owners are looking a little bit further than just this week? A lot of owners are going to be in heated playoff races, looking for maybe someone to uh, kickstart their lineups down the stretch. Waiver wire, obviously, at this point in the year, doesn't always deliver stars for you. So let's all go through here. Let's throw out a player each that we're looking at as a buy-low option who could step in and really give you some punch in your lineup. 
I think we shouldn't let the GMs have all the fun this week, right? Like they're going to be the ones talking trades in the NFL. I think fantasy owners should also be making trades. So Scott, who are you looking at as somebody who could really maybe save seasons for people? You know, I didn't know how deep you guys were going to go on the last question. So can I throw one more out there? Just, just as a guy that you might just Yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, Bilal Powell can't come back. All right. Elijah Maguire can't come back till next week. Bilal Powell is out. Crowell's going to take on most of the work, but Trenton Cannon is free out there. And he had a bunch of receiving yards and a, a few catches last week. He's going to factor in more this week. I've, and he's playing a, a defense that's ranked 27th over the last three weeks against running backs. Uh, I think he could, I think he could actually be in play for a flex play. Um, so just, just something to throw like out there. Trenton yeah. Cannon for the Jets. But uh, it's funny you mentioned Cortland Sutton because I put Cortland Sutton and Sony Michelle as two major buy lows right now. Uh, Cortland Sutton's remaining schedule, Kansas City, as you've already mentioned, Houston, then a buy, the Chargers or the Clippers, as I like to call them now, <laughs> uh, the Steelers, the Bengals. Only Houston is in the top half of the league against wide receivers uh, of that group. And then their fantasy playoffs. All three bottom 10 against wide receivers, San Francisco, Cleveland, and Oakland. Uh, and the main thing on Michelle is pe- the Patriots run a lot more later in the year, and people are going to be really scared of this injury right now. And I think you might be able to soak him up. We've already seen what he can do once he's healthy and the Patriots are, are running games down later in the season, especially when the snow hits New England. Uh, I think he's going to be a steal. Those two could easily be league winners. Very smart moves. Woods, how about you? I would say go sniff around Keenan Allen's owner and find out if he's available. We look at his stats last year. It was similar to this year. He just had a slow start in the first half of the year, blew up over the second half. I think there's there's probably some Keenan Allen owners out there who are pretty desperate right now looking to make a move. Maybe you can do a two-for-one and pry him away and, and benefit in the second half of the season. I would also maybe look at getting Matt Breida for very cheap. As I just said, he's hurt. He's got to get healthy. He really needs to probably take a few weeks off and let that ankle heal up. But he was electric when he had the ball earlier this season. If he can get healthy, maybe he can be a big player for you down the stretch, and you could probably get him for pretty cheap at this point. I'll throw out a couple here. And the first is Alex Collins and... It's mostly because his schedule, after his buy in a few weeks, his schedule is just fantastic. And there's been a lot of questions about him. He hasn't put up huge, huge numbers. Obviously, Javorius Allen's been really involved there and, and vultured some touchdowns, really brought his, his the perception of his value down. I think down the stretch, though, he's going to be a big impact fantasy player. Another guy I'm going to mention, I talked about off the top, it's Geronimo Allison. I don't know that everyone realizes that Allison is the second best receiving option in that Green Bay offense. Randall Cobb has the name. I think a lot of people might flock to Cobb coming into this week. And Allison, had before the injury, had 64 yards or more in four straight games. Definitely was coming on, was breaking out in that offense. And a couple shootouts coming up. The Rams, the Patriots. He gets the Falcons in Week 14, too. We know how good that matchup can be. So I like him as a wide receiver three who has genuine wide receiver two upside moving forward and it's possible Cobb continues to fade here maybe we see Valdez Scantling come in and and help with that offense a little more but if Cobb does fade as I expect him to it only helps Allison's value moving forward and they are going to have to throw because that defense is not as good as they were hoping it to be that's all the time we have today I think some some excellent info in there that can help fantasy owners moving forward some things you can take some action on you need to be following Scott on Twitter, at ScottFish24. And for more information on that charity, you can go to fantasycares.net. 
Scott, I don't know if you want to give everybody more information about how they could either enter the Scott Fishbowl for next season or if you want to talk a little bit about the charity and how they can contribute. Yeah, yeah, I can take a second with that. Uh, FantasyCares.net is where you can go. Uh, you'll be able to see the pictures of all the toys we buy, the receipts, everything uh, coming up. The, the chair, I did, I did close down donations for the end of the year here to to get things organized, but it'll reopen shortly after the year start, the new year starts. Uh, as for the fishbowl, scottfishbowl.com, you can sign up there. You can play with any analyst in the in the industry. Like, I mean, everyone. I mean, from ESPN, Yahoo, NFL.com, the score, everyone uh, plays in this thing. So if you, if you and just fans can. So if you're listening to this, you can play. You just gotta sign up, and hopefully, I draw your name from a hat. Uh, I do want to say one thing before I go. I like to say this every show I do consider if you're in a fantasy league, consider donating one of your entry fees to charity. doesn't have to be my charity, any charity. There are thousands of tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of fantasy leagues out there. And if we each do this to some charity, it doesn't matter what we can do a lot of good out there for a lot of different charities. And I think that's something that we, we should be striving for as an industry. Well said, very well said, Scott. Woods and I are going to be back on Sunday night to break down all the week eight action. And we're going to give you a first look at the waiver wire in that episode, players that you're going to want to pick up next week. If you want to get in touch with Woods or ask for maybe Halloween costume tips, he's at David P. Woods. You can see all our fantasy content over at the score. You should make sure that you're checking that out daily. My rankings start sit. Uh, we recently put up a trade value chart as well that can help you with some of these deals you're looking at this week. Definitely go check that out. And you can come find me on Twitter, at Justin Boone. Big thanks to Scott today. Big thanks to everybody out there. And we will see you next time. Said leave on time, my baby. Said leave on time. Leave on time with me tonight. I said leave on time.